Welcome inside another edition of All Three Phases here, brought to you by WV Sports Now. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, also on our channel. There's the beat there as it picks up a little bit, and we're going to pick things up here and get into the show. And maybe the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to pick things up and get consistent. Because since our last program, since last time you joined us here on all three phases, it's been a roller coaster ride, and it's really been a roller coaster ride of a season. I am Mike Osti, of course, and that is West Virginia football legend Rashid Marshall, who hasn't had to deal with as much of a roller coaster ride when he was out there on the field, maybe a little bit in the beginning, but then it certainly peaked up. We'll see where this program can go and if it can peak up. This is year four for Neil Brown, so some are saying that maybe. You got to cut bait. A lot more goes into a decision like that, though, than I think a lot of fans realize. And then, obviously, must wins ahead because they can still make a bowl game, which the team and coaching staff, the players, are saying is still a goal. And, obviously, they want to do. But little room for error as we're speaking right now because you got to get to six wins. They only got three of them. As we're currently talking, and who knows what number they may have when you actually listen to this. But, Rashid, first off, because it's been a few games now since we did last did one of these. It's obviously been a roller coaster ride, and that is putting it mildly. That, that is an understatement. You have a situation where you go from, okay, you play well against Pitt that we talked about. You don't get a win, but you cover the spread. Maybe you feel like you should have won. It's a tough place to play. It's a road game. You're feeling good. You then lose to Kansas, but then that's kind of been made to be a little better than it was. Jalen Daniels had a solid season prior to getting hurt. You did face the best of him that nobody else now has to deal with. And Kansas at one point was flirting with rankings and getting ranked. And that's certainly anticipated as well, but not the end of the world, even though you're favored to win that game. You get a big win in Blacksburg, but Virginia Tech, if you've noticed, they're not that good. They haven't been winning much since then. That doesn't look as great. You beat FCS Townsend. You're supposed to beat up on them. You do great. Makes me feel better about the the backups in the future of the program, but not much for this year. You have the game in Texas. That just was all kinds of bad. That was, at the time, the worst of your offense. It certainly got worse against Texas Tech. But you have a big win over Baylor. You kind of feel like maybe this team's still playing for Neil Brown. I wrote about that. Kind of gets over the hiccup at Texas, and you feel really good. A lot of things went right. The defense created turnovers. It was a rocking atmosphere in Morgantown, a night game, and you know how those go at Milan Pushkar Stadium. But then you got Texas Tech, and that was maybe as bad as it possibly could get. I mean, that was maybe the worst loss under Neil Brown. That was one of the worst games I've watched for the Mountaineers in a while. Just nothing was working, and they were out of it from jump street, offense, defense, all kinds of bad and they play really well against TCU most recently. That's a top 10 team that's undefeated as we're speaking. So it's hard to be mad at losing that game when they played really, really well. But just detailing all of that, what do you think is causing this inconsistent play and this roller coaster ride? And how do you handle that? How do you get that to stop happening? Because we have seen this team play well. If you can hang with a top 10 team in the country, there's no reason why you then should get your doors blown off against Texas Tech that's also lost a bunch of games and had the same record yeah. as you entering the game. So how how can you make some sense of that, or is there any sense to be made of that, since that clearly is a frustration for fans there, or frustration for coaching and players, but that's why we're here now at 3-5. and five. Right, so let's start there. Um Anytime you're going up against a top 10, keep this in mind, you're going to bring the, the best energy that you have. You're going to bring the yeah. best product that you have to the table for that top team. Most cases, people are going to say, okay, as you mentioned, you play a top 10 team well, you, you look very solid. The preparation's different. You play a team that's on your level, you tend yeah. to you sputter a little bit. It's human nature. It's a part of the game. The good teams can get over that. That's the thing about it. And you have to be able to prep well, regardless of who, regardless of the ranking, regardless of the team, you have to be able to prep well during a week. And, uh, I mean, there's just so many levels to it, you know. Um, 
there's been a lot of a lot of things you can take away in terms of good, a ton of things that you can take away that's bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think one thing is, you know, not to get too far off track here is depth. Uh, you have to understand that depth creates competition. All right. Um, if you have guys who are comfortable in their position, okay, uh, regardless of where they are, and they're yeah. not being pushed, that tends to give a flat line. All right. Now, if you have a guy behind you who's nipping at your heels during the week, he's hungry, he's practicing okay. hard, he's running him with the twos. Sure. That's going to force you to pick your game up. So give or take, you know, uh, some good play, some bad play. Sometimes that can also come into play. There's a lot to break it down. You know? Yeah. Uh, so and this team, like speaking of depth, this team has obviously, no one wants to hear this. There are no excuses are going to be really valid for this year being as bad as it's been, but a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries. Oh, yeah. And CJ Donaldson, who's everyone's favorite in station, he's out for the year. Tony Terrible. Mathis, it, it, yeah, that sucks. He's a question mark. Charles Woods comes back after having a surgery middle of the season. It wasn't really announced. We just figured it out because he's putting it on Instagram. He then ends up coming back and playing well, but there's other issues. There's other injuries. No one's really been fully healthy this year. It's been a rough go. JT Daniels has been, but maybe he's felt comfortable. He had his worst game of his college career in Lubbock with those three interceptions, hadn't had a three pick game since 2018. So everyone's had the worst of times this year. There have been some, some solid moments as well, but the bad has outweighed the good right now. And certainly when you're under 500 sure. let's, now, let's, let's stay here for a second. Yeah. So yeah. Go ahead. JT with JT. I can accept that. Listen, JT has showed me enough. He did respond against TCU. He played well against TCU from the, yeah. how bad it was the week earlier. Yeah. Now, that was the one game that you could truly put your finger on and say, okay, he, he struggled a little bit, all right? Yeah. Um, it's not like he's had multiple games that's just been absolutely terrible. So I can live with it. Listen, as a quarterback, right. as a collegiate quarterback, you're not yeah. being paid for this. You're going to have some <laughs> ups and downs. If that yeah. is the one game where he struggles, hey, listen, you take it, you, yeah. you get back on track the following week, and, and you get back to – you know, that same level of play that you showed early in the season and pretty much every game, every game after. It also shouldn't be that if he has an off game that it's 48 to 10. Like, it shouldn't be that bad. I mean, they yeah. they, they, they just were out of it right away. And Texas Tech's offense really does try to aggressively put points on the board. But Baylor did the same thing going for on fourth downs and West Virginia was able to beat them. So West Virginia's defense really has mostly this year let down the offense really the defense has not had a good year overall, and the offense had scored some points at times. They've had bad games. That was a really, really bad game. But I, I want to ask yeah. you as well, as, as a former player who's certainly been in all these huddles and been a leader of a team and had tons of success, you mentioned there as a collegiate quarterback. How do you prevent a situation where you're getting too down for opponents? Obviously, it's easy to get up to play a top 10 team, to play an undefeated team and to, to rebound from it being so bad the week earlier. But how do you go and say like Iowa state, they're three and five, like you, they beat them last year when they were ranked, but they're not good this year. They lost five in a row after starting off three and zero, and yeah. those wins might've kind of been exposed at this point. How do you make sure you don't get too down? Because we talked to Neil Brown this week and he actually admitted that there have been times this season, looking back now in retrospect, maybe he didn't know at the time, Certainly the Texas Tech game, he thought there was a solid week of practice, but there also were some bad days that he kind of could feel, okay, mm, this isn't the best day of practice, or I don't feel as comfortable going into this game. He actually admitted that now for road games, he's changing up the game plan, whatever it is, wherever the restaurant is they're going to go to, whenever they're going to get into the hotel, whenever they're going to mm -hmm. have practice, whenever they're going to have team meetings, he's changing it all up. He doesn't think that's why they lost, but he's just changing it up because if it's not working, you got to change something. So yeah. have you had experiences where you're going through the week? Like, is there a, a game week where you're it Tuesday, you're feeling like, mm, this isn't feeling good. Like that's, just, it's, I don't have a good vibe. And how do you correct that? Or is it kind of just, it's unraveling and there's nothing you can do. Can you correct it during games? What does that feel like? And what does that look like? And what is that? Cause it's hard to point to for people that haven't been out there, but to hear a coach say that maybe it didn't feel good this week, you see the product on the field and it didn't look good and it wasn't good. 
how do you stop that when you're to playing down to teams? Because it's not just right. this year where that's been a problem. Yeah, so let's start here. Listen, it starts up top, all right? And when I say when it starts up top, that is the head coach. Yeah. A lot of people know I played under Rich, all right? Yeah. Rich brought energy, okay? So when I say it starts up top, the coach has to set the tone, okay? The players then take that energy, and we're able to disperse it, and we use it however we need to use it. Okay. Um, every coach is not the same, you know? And Rich just had that that – it feels weird calling him rich. I'll still call him Coach Rod. But, you know, Coach Rod had that fiery attitude that, listen, he he had a point to prove. And we felt it. And we just try to do our best to take that energy. They weren't going to let us slack. And, again, every coach has a different personality. Yeah, yeah. Neil Brown and, and Rich had, Rodriguez, I think, are kind of polar opposite personality-wise. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say polar. I, I've seen, okay. I've seen Coach Brown flip. I've seen. I, ha- I have actually as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've seen him drop an F me like because practice was just going awry. I've, uh-huh. And we've seen him recently on the sidelines during these games. More animated. It, yeah, More he's animated. he's he's starting to flip a little bit. And even after Texas Tech, where people are talking about, do you trust the climb of Neil Brown? He basically alluded, I don't know if he's trusting these players. And he was talking about having to watch tape to see if effort's there or he's going to be benching guys. He, exactly. he flipped out after even the TCU game, basically saying that if there wasn't pass interference there towards the end, he doesn't know what it is. I'm surprised he didn't get fined by the conference. So he's yeah. kind of letting it loose a little bit now. You are seeing a little bit, little bit more fire. A different attitude, Brown. for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, but as players, listen, we always had a point to prove. And listen, when we stepped on that field, I'm sure yeah. these guys are the exact same way, but something was different. Something was different. Now, okay. you, you can, we can peel the layers back. We can look at scheme. We can look at strategy. We can look at – we had the right guys in place. Um, and we – I think – we had the biggest turnaround from 2001 to two, 2002, if I'm not mistaken, um, coming off. Yeah, yeah, that 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 one year, the three and eight, the three and eight season, three and eight right. season, right? Exactly. So, yeah, uh, yeah you, you you have to buy in, you have to believe. So, I mean, it, can it be the players? Yes, it can. Can it be the scheme? Yes, but when it comes to playing up against, you know, another opponent that is on the same level. You have to you have yeah. to bring that same energy no matter what. If you're playing a top ten or an opponent that's that's on an equal level, you know, yeah. you have to be able to learn how to channel that energy and bring it no matter what. Yeah, and we try to bring it no matter what here at all three phases. I'm going to segue to promote the show. All three phases here, of course. It is on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Here by WV Sports Now. Rasheed Marshall, Mike Osti, and we're talking some out near ball and. They haven't been bringing it enough on all three phases. There's kind of been a phase that has kind of collapsed in each one of these games. And right now, as we're speaking, they they have a lot of pressure to just get a freaking win. I don't think it matters anymore how they're playing, the analysis of how they're playing. They just got to lock up a W uh, at this point here. Yeah, they really do have to get a win. Now, look, what better week to start it? Yeah. Iowa State. You have a team that's winnable. This is a beatable team. Certainly. Correct. Let's not look into the future. If you can get one here at Iowa State, all right? Yeah. You're going to come back. You have Oklahoma. You have yeah. – um, who do you have after that? Yeah, Kansas, Kansas State? Kansas State, right. Kansas State, and then we close out with Oklahoma State. Who yeah. knows? Let's take it one week at a time, but it all starts this week, and you have to be able to take care of business. Yeah, yeah, right. and, and and of course, you are got to be that zoned-in, week-to-week, game-to-week focus. You can't be looking ahead. You can't be worrying about ahead. You do have Oklahoma State. Obviously, they're a very good team, but they've been vulnerable this year. They've had they've had a bad loss this year as well as getting beat up by TCU, But so they've certainly shown they can be beat. Kansas State has been very right. competitive with a lot of teams, beating a lot of teams, but they're not, they're not invincible by any means. And then certainly Oklahoma – West Virginia's never beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 since getting there in Oklahoma. Always a top dog, but this year they're more vulnerable than any other. Still won't be easy. You have the two games in a row at home after this one, then you will close out on the road. So that'll be positive. They finally get the end of this back and forth. They get to stay home for a couple in a row. That yeah. may help them. But again, you got to get to six wins. You want to get in a bowl game. You certainly want to be in a bowl game regardless of this season not going where anyone really wanted it to go, including the team and coaching staff. Now, Rasheed, I do also want to ask you 
about you mentioned having played under Rich Rodriguez. And before we get back into the Iowa State game and before we get into maybe the complications, if you would remove a head coach and how that blends into recruits and what they're thinking, because we talked off air and it's been out there. A recruit told me directly that he's there for the coaching staff. So if you remove that yeah. coaching staff, what are you what are you going to do? And how is that going to work for that recruit? Is he still going to come with this transfer portal the way it is too? You might be losing the players on this roster. And again, you maybe just have to cut base and stand right now being met, but there's a lot more that goes into it. But before we get to all more. of that, you meant yeah, you mentioned playing under Rich Rodriguez. Now, there have been some rumors, and honestly, if I wasn't speaking to you who played under him, I probably wouldn't address this because I'm not sure they're really legitimate rumors. I don't think this yeah, is going yeah. to happen right now. But just your thoughts on Rich Rod, in terms of, I don't know if you've had conversation with him or what your relationship w- is with him currently, but his current career, he's been pretty much been floundering as an assistant, as a coordinator. He's not really picked up a major head coach job since Arizona, and that's been a while ago. He obviously had the Michigan dip, only two and a half years there, wasn't successful up and down at Arizona as well, and he's been kind of circulating as an assistant really since then. Number one, do you think he would ever be interested in a premier power head coaching job again. We don't know if these rumors are true. I'm not going to legitimize them. But if West Virginia would call him, do you think, just knowing him, he would be interested in talking about coming home? How do you think that be would be received? Because as you know, the exit wasn't really that friendly to Rich Rodriguez. Yeah. Any animosity still there from him that would cause him some pause? This is a whole Ooh. different regime how do you think that would go? The the scheme that he runs with the spread that works yeah. so well with you and Pat, not really JT Daniels or even Nico or the, the players that are there now don't really fit with him. And and really what we do know is factual. He appeared on Pat McAfee's show last year and literally said that losing the, the 13-9 game wasn't part of it for him. It wasn't even so much of the rumors with Alabama the year before and then eventually going to Michigan – but that he asked for a lot more money for his assistant coaches. In fact, he put the number out there of 50 grand for his assistants. And that really is not a lot more money, just a little bit in terms of the overall spectrum of what assistants then would get paid and call it football coaches those days for how where the program was and how far they took the program. And the program said no, and that really was his last straw. So the pulse of Rich Rod, any conversations you've had with him, do you think he'd want to come back home to West Virginia and ever coach there again? And how would that go? Because that's already a polarizing yeah. thing when you put it out there. A lot of fans maybe don't want him again. A lot of fans would welcome him. Certainly there was success. Would he even want to do it? Yeah. Class? So, yeah, yeah. Let's work backwards on this, all right? So, from my understanding um, – he wanted the facility upgrades, all right, because sure. when you're when you're a top 10, top 15 team, you have to have yeah. those facilities in place to be able to 100%. compete against some of the top teams, all right? So um, you mentioned the salary increase for assistance. Now um, – I also want to add, not to cut you off, but they did the, they no. did the facility upgrade years later. Like what's there now is much nicer and different than even – what was there then so it, it took a sure. while it wasn't instantaneous they didn't want to give the assistance money but it is kind of ironic that a lot of what he wanted at that time did eventually occur <laughs> yeah and we also we're in 2022 so yeah, yeah it's been a while when, right yeah you know back then when he was asking for upgrades if that's what yeah, he was asking for i'm sure yeah. in that in that era they would have been you know top-notch facilities now right. um as far as him coming back to a power five school. We'll start there first. Coach Rod is entirely too competitive to not want another power five job. I, I listen, he's too competitive. So I know whether it's West Virginia, whether it's big 12, whether it's ACC, I do yeah. see coach Rod stepping back into another head role. It's just, it's inevitable. Um, he's okay, seeing some okay. success at Jacksonville state. Yeah. Um, and again, he, he's just, He's a fiery competitor. So I think if the opportunity presents itself, he takes it. Now, if West Virginia is in the in the works, in the puzzles, who knows? Um, yeah. Does it fit? I don't know. That would you like to see it happen? Question. I would love As... to see it happen. I would okay. love to see it happen. Because here's why. A lot of people said that, you know, 
I hate Rich Rodriguez. I, yeah. The day he says he's coming back, if it was to happen, I yeah. bet he would be received with open arms. Yes, there's probably going to be some disgruntled okay. fans, whatever. But in the end, I think you accept it. You know, um, I think we will get to the bottom of why he left initially, coming okay. from the horse's mouth. Um, so, yes, I, I would love to see it if it was to happen. He would be my number one candidate if he was available. Yeah, and it would it would be hard not to have the conversation and let your mind wander. Of course, doesn't matter, you know, necessarily what happened in the past. If you think it's going to be right for the program now, however, there could be an argument that maybe you know his success in college football has been a while ago. Maybe there are other candidates again that are either you know, Graham Harrell's been brought up. People, some are in love with you, Freeze. There's that yeah. rule. There's a lot of coaches out there right. that, that, that are either building themselves up to get to a certain point that maybe it would make sense for West Virginia, that maybe have had success. If they if they do cut bay with Neil Brown, they got to pay a large chunk on a buyout. So it also will depend on how much money they want to spend for a head coach, whether they want to just promote somebody, whether they want to go to a young guy again like they did with Neil Brown, whether they care about cultural fit or West Virginia or that type of connection there. There are some West Virginia natives that are out there, or they want to dip all the way back into the Rich Rod well. So you just don't know. I do think yeah. that obviously the success that he had – needs to be appreciated regardless of whether he coaches again or not it was the most successful period really from you to the end of pat in the program's history overall right. and obviously don Nalen had tons of success but that stretch is hard to compare again so i do yep. think some fans do carry more hate than is necessary or warranted against rich rod especially when we've learned more things about why maybe he did choose to leave with the not sure getting the money for the assistance, etc. Anything that you've learned or any conversations you've had with him that made you reevaluate any thoughts about his exit? Because Pat and other players have also made at the time that when he chose to leave, they were a little bit in their feelings. They weren't thrilled with that decision. How could you and not then, be? right. All right, and and then and then they learned a little bit more that maybe makes it make more sense. Like, okay, Eureka, you're not getting money for assistance. You're seeing all these putting built for winning baseball. I could see being a little bit perturbed and get a little annoyed, and then choose to leave. It's also premier jobs, and we're talking about Bama, who flirted with him the year before, and then Michigan, where he eventually chose to leave for. So I get all of that. It maybe you know everyone's an adult now; they've grown up. I mean, I, I don't know. You already were gone from the program, but has your opinion of that changed at all? Have there been any conversations that you've had at all with him or anybody else that? you learned something new. What were your thoughts when you heard that initially about the assistance and then even the pulse of, I love to dip into your former player group chat. Uh, you know, how do you think that would be? Because it is really a polarizing topic amongst former players, media or fans of the success was there. It wasn't great at the end in terms of how that situation went down from any of those sides. We've learned a lot more now. Everyone's grown up and matured a lot more now as a college student then, pretty young. I'm an adult now with a baby. You're going to think about things differently, but how has the journey been for you? Yeah, no doubt. So let's, to, to the players in that era, all right, that's what we know. That's what we remember. Yeah. That's what we're familiar with. So why would we not want to see Coach Rock come back, all right? Um, we're all familiar with the scheme, and we have to go back to that point as well because in 2022 – how does the spread offense, and he's made plenty of tweaks, I'm sure, but last time right. I checked in Arizona, it was very similar, all right? Yeah. But we'll come back to the scheme of things. Um, I would love to see him back. I mean, I really would. And, again, it's because, yes, I do have bias. I played under him. I dealt with him every single day. Right. So I know how he thinks. I know uh, the competitive nature that he has. I know – how much winning is important to him, you know, it's, it's everything. Uh, but more importantly, just developing young men into grown men. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing. He, he wanted to do his best to have you flourish on the field, grow you as a football player, grow you as a, as a young man. But um, yeah, the, the scheme is what we're, what we're not talking about. 
Right, right. How would that play in today's college football? How would that work now? Even how, you know, you mentioned how much of a hard-nosed guy that he was back then. You know, today's player, unfortunately, today's athlete, maybe, might even be an annoyance to you. Not necessarily the same as the mentality maybe you had then. I mean, this is a social media era. NIL deals are out there. Rodney Gallagher, a top commit for West Virginia. Same with Jaheim White, who were the guys I mentioned that maybe you got to make sure you're keeping no matter what you're doing with the coaching staff. But they're out there promoting their brands on social media. They're going to be very vocal as well. They may think that their clout is maybe bigger than a head coach, certainly an older coach that they may think is from the past. They were young kids. They probably have – I don't know if they have any idea of really what went on at that point or as they're familiar, they got to watch some YouTube clips of you and Pat White and you guys doing it, but they certainly didn't grow up during that era. They were they were a baby or yeah. certainly a young kid at that point, as insane as that is to say. So how do you think Rich Rod, number one, how would his system work today with the spread? And the number two, how do you think his personality would work with today's athlete? Because like it or not, that is part of it. And I could see an argument that the Rich Rod, my way or the highway thing maybe wouldn't work as well with the transfer portal because a player could say, once I'm to a certain level of quality, if you're not going to talk to me nicer, I'm going to jump in the portal and leave <laughs> out of here. I mean, right, that right. exists now that didn't exist then. You'd have to sit out and it'd be such more of a pain. So he's been around long enough to where I'm sure he's been able to adjust to it because back then, listen, yeah. you didn't have to worry about, you didn't have to worry about parents. You didn't have to worry about, players leaving yes you had to transfer out but now it's a little more uh yeah it's more easily accessible it's, to it's the university easier 100 somewhere right. else you know um so i'm sure he's found ways to be able to work around those things and still find effective ways to coach guys up uh he does have a personality as you mentioned my way to highway but yeah you know, to me, Coach Rod is a is an offensive genius. He's a juggernaut, all right? Okay. If he can get a quarterback in place, and this is another process that when you, regardless of who comes in, if yeah. Coach Brown yeah. was to get fired, you have a whole other system coming in. In most cases, yeah. you have to get your guys in, all right? We know all that. Specifically speaking about Coach Rod, if he gets a quarterback, if he gets a, a decent running back, and just one receiver who can who can run, catch the ball, put some vertical pressure on the safeties, and run a couple reverses. He's gonna make it happen. He, he got to have the guy that fits. He got to have the right guy that fits him. I mean, yeah. there's a whole we can go down a whole can of worms that he said too that he thought that at Michigan he was getting Terrell Pryor, who would have fit what he wanted to do don't get the QB that fits what you want to do that you think you're recruiting for years. Cause he was also maybe potentially a chance to go to West Virginia at that point as well. Doesn't happen. Goes to Ohio state. So you don't get your guy and then you're spending time trying to get a guy that you didn't really think was going to be there. Maybe didn't really want and doesn't fit what you're trying to do. And then that doesn't work out. But if you get your guy, if he can find the next Rasheed Marshall or Pat white, then yeah, that could really work. Rashid Marshall here, Mike Osti here. It is all three phases presented by WV Sports. Now subscribe, download anywhere you get your podcasts. I do want to, getting away from Rich Rod here, because again, it's just rumors. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wanted to ask yeah. you because you played under him, just maybe to, if that would even be something that we, you'd want or the players would want or how that perception would work and how that maybe would work because it's always just randomly an interesting topic that could exist when any coach has talked about maybe having an end of a tenure. But the other end of this, because you talk with a lot of young athletes today as well, you're, you're, you're mentoring athletes today, you're, you're in tune with the high school athlete today, you mentioned watching Daheem White's clips, and man, those yeah, highlight reels, are, yeah, there's they're something else, it's 400 yards every game, Rodney Gallagher that I mentioned as well, Sean Boyle is their quarterback commit from this upcoming class, they obviously have Nico currently there. The portal's open for him if he would want to bounce. That does add complications to this. But he's been a top recruit that came aboard with Neil Brown. He's fine to sit under JT Daniels. He's looked really good when, when I've seen play another year. He could give you one more year because of COVID and all the injuries. So you could see one more JT, which would be maybe a positive or maybe not, depending on the situation that'll be there. Will Crowder, et cetera, are certainly there in the fold so the QB position sure. could could be bright but he he could come back one more year for JT but just basically what I do want to ask him what I want to get to now 
is what all goes in to a changing of the guard, I guess, in college football. How complicated is this process? Meaning, what decision is the university really making right now? That if they would choose to pay this high buyout and fire a coach, even though it's year four and it's been a roller coaster ride and it's not been successful enough and they're dipping back and maybe they got to set a standard and say, we got to at least make bowl games and we're not getting in now and we got to do something else. We got to go another direction. But if they make that decision, what all are they discussing? Because what else exists in terms of the impact it could have on upcoming recruiting classes that are good, that are top 30, 35 recruiting classes, wherever they're going to land. Some have them at 27. They got good recruiting classes coming in. They got solid players there that are young players now. I mentioned the QBs. C.J. Donaldson, he's going to get healthy. He's only a freshman. that could be there for years to come. You want to make sure you keep in the fold for the next era yep. of Mountaineer football. So what all goes into it? What risk are you actually undertaking of losing the current players now at the transfer portal? What risk goes into the recruiting classes for the next two, three, four years? We see the programs throwing offers out there for class of 2025 players. How much of those are in jeopardy if you would fire a coaching staff? If you're a young player and, and the young players that you're talking to, why are they choosing to come to a program? Do they want to be there for the coaching staff? Do they want to be there for the university? Do they want to be there for the campus, for the system? What do you think maybe is getting them there and what all goes into it? Because yeah. a lot more goes into a decision than just removing that coach. This isn't the NFL. This is college sports. A lot more that goes into it. Yeah. So what a lot of these recruits, you know, I can, I can easily say it is the relationship with the coaches. It's the scheme. Now, you get rid okay. of a coach, you better hope the new guy coming in has some similar scheme offensively and defensively to yeah. have some carryover. All right. Because if it's night and day, get ready to hit the reset button on that clock because you know what you're going to hear. I need two years. I need three years to get my guys in, develop them, and then you'll see my final product. All right. Yeah. So that's the one thing you, you, you always hope that there's some, some similarities between scheme and, uh, you know, we always talk about dynamic recruiters. Each university is going to get top-notch guys, all right? That's going to happen. In my opinion, it's not about getting the top recruits. It's how you develop them. And I hate yeah. to keep bringing up Coach Rod, but he did a lot with a little. And what I mean by that, we didn't have a ton in my era, Pat's era, Jared's era. I mean, there yeah. wasn't a, yeah, a ton of top recruits. I mean, yes, you have – Noel Devine, who had a ton of offers from everywhere. And yeah, I mean, I had my fair share of offers. Pat had his fair share of offers, but these weren't. But not everyone had wanted stars. Pat to play quarterback. I mean, there were some that wanted Pat to pl play on defense in the secondary exactly. at corner. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Rich Rock saw some of him at QB. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about how you develop your talent. Again, I, I, I think there's going to be enough. Uh, recruiting skills amongst the coaches to be able to get the guys on campus is how you develop them. And again, for me, what I see when I look back and how everything was able to develop for us, coach Rod had a knack for being able to get guys in the right place, develop them and just let them flourish. I mean, we had safeties who were 190 pounds, 195 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Would they play at any other school in most cases? Probably not. But they found a home at WVU. They found a way to make plays, and they flourished in that system. So, you know, you bring a new coach in. I, I, I'm tired of hearing about dynamic recruiters. How do you develop them once they're there? And that's all that yeah. matters to me. You get guys in the right position, find a, find a place for them, whether they were there in the beginning or you, you convert them to a new position, develop them, find playmakers, and you win games. It's it simple, yeah, and and the one, uh, well, at least couple, but, anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that's definitely part of it. So, I, I it's a myriad. I would say to be a successful college coach these days, number one, you got to build the relationships, you got to make sure you're in tune with today's player, you got to be able to do the the X's and O's, you got to be able to coach in game, some adjustments in game, if right. Are, are where some people do try to criticize Neil Brown. You certainly got to be able to recruit. It is 100% about recruiting. It's not as easy to recruit at West Virginia as it would be at Alabama right now. Nick Saban walks into a school and or, or into a house and says, I got all these rings. You know, if you don't want to come, no big deal. I'll get somebody. 
for West Virginia, and you see these four-star kids that they're they're sending these offers to, they're not just getting an offer from West Virginia if they're a four-star kid. You got offers from half of the Big Ten and SEC, the Big 12 and ACC yeah. as well. Yeah. So they're competing with the country, and they're competing with the region as well. So yeah, it's very, very difficult to coach these days. It does take a few years to get your system in place. You could argue that Neil Brown maybe now is just hitting his recruits, and it took him a couple years as well, and that's why some kind of gave him a break his first year or so, but now we're in year four. Next year will be year five, and the breaks from the fans, from the media, from the alums, maybe the university, it's not going to be uh, you know, as loose, not going to be as prevalent. They're, they're, they're getting a little tighter. You're getting a little frustrated. So we'll yeah, see kind of where, where that goes. You have to have a little bit of luck as well. Not oh, yeah, yeah. Luck. And a lot of close games. They've been luck. losing a lot of close games too. They go the other way. This program is a whole different, in a diff- whole different spot. Without a doubt. Now let's let's start at the quarterback position because West Virginia has been very fortunate to get some good transfers in here. We had um, Clint Trickett, all right. Yeah, yeah. We had Will Greer, yeah. Uh, JT, JT now. So 100%. we've had some we've had some good some good transfers at the quarterback position. Um, yeah. It does take a little bit of luck to get that chemistry right where we need it. I can't forget about Skylar Howard as well, who transferred yeah, yeah. in yeah. Um, from a JUCO, but. You know, it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot, and it takes a little bit of luck, and you have to be able to find that right strategy in chemistry. I don't think you need the top guys at every single position to truly be successful. Um, so, yes, it's, it's, it's just a very inopportune time. And I don't even know if that's the right word for Coach Brown right now. It's just they can't put it all together. They can't, they can't finish it off, you know. Um, but listen, yeah. like I said, this week it starts something new. And you can catch a wave right here at Iowa State. Yeah, and, and obviously this – it's all that matters right now, but obviously as much as these games have been close, as great as the recruiting class is, that it is coming up, a lot of people don't want to hear that when you just keep losing games. So we get all of that too from, from the fan perspective. And I see Neil Brown every week. That man's more frustrated than anybody else, I'll tell you. So I'm obviously sure. – yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I'm sure there was a lot more confidence in what the season was going to be, even if maybe I didn't think it was going to be as wild as some fans did. But the program, they thought they were going to win, you know, much more than they are winning now. So I, the frustration certainly there. Rasheed Marshall, Mike Osti. It is all three phases here, presented by WV Sports Now. And you also got to give credit to Neil Brown in this respect. This is part of it. So to be fair here. The wins haven't been there. The big wins haven't been there. It's been inconsistent, and the the record's a losing record in four years. So something eventually has to give. I literally wrote about that. However, to have your program kind of down and to be able – and I know it's about developing them, as you said, but and to be able to still have your program down and recruit so well, to get Rodney Gallagher, Jaheim White, Sean Boyle, I can go on and on, to come aboard a program that's kind of floundering right now with some chaos and uncertainty – that's really impressive as well. So he actually is doing well on the recruiting side. It's just having that get on the field, having the decisions make you know make sense and lead to wins and and all of that to work and also get some better luck as well in terms of some calls and also the injuries this year yes. especially. But that also is very, very part of it as well. I do want to ask you here before I just get maybe your prediction here for this game coming up and round things out. We're talking a lot about if you do fire a coach, the complications of that. And if the system is different, if Rodney Gallagher, who clearly loves West Virginia, it's all over his Twitter page, but if you do fire Neil Brown and he's in one particular system and he feels comfortable with what Graham Harrell and Neil Brown are doing, because Graham Harrell's only been there this year, but they're certainly talking this year and it's a part of that. He's committed. And then in something totally different, and he's not as comfortable, he may have to leave just because he's not going to perform as well in a system that isn't catered to him. It's not a personal thing against West Virginia, but the system is very much a part of it for these players that just want to better their game more so than any you know relationship to a university that they may not have had, that fans certainly have. So what I do want to ask, if you do remove a coach – is a way to maybe save the recruiting class of keeping somebody there? And I guess I'm asking that because out of all these coaches that are in rumor, the people are writing about Sean Clark's another one there, coach from Appalachian state yeah. and a lot, a lot of coaches out there that people, some of them I think are a little pie in the sky that aren't real realistic. Some of them might be realistic, but Graham Harrell's name is brought up. 
He is currently a coordinator. He is the offensive coordinator now. He's never been a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator at other places at USC, North Texas. He's always had success. He's from that Mike Leach tree. He's 37 years old. He's a young guy. His personality, you mentioned Rich Rod. He is very even keel, very laid back. Nothing Mm -hmm. bothers him. He's smiling everywhere he goes. I don't know how that would be received or how that would work (laughs) as a head coach. But – Obviously, his team score points. He runs more than just an air raid. He runs a very balanced offense, always has throughout his career. If, say, he is kept or if, say, he is given the job, could that be a way to save the recruiting classes? And what would that mean? Like, for example, if you have recruits and commits that love Neil Brown and are there for the coaching staff, could having Graham Harrell still in place be enough to save them even if you're losing Neil Brown, because Graham Harrell is the one who's really implementing the offensive system. Okay. So again, let's go back. All right. Coach Nealon gets fired. Rich Rodriguez is hired. Who does Rich Rodriguez keep from the previous staff of Don Nealon? Bill Stewart. All right. 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 So and, there yeah. you have it. There right. you have it. All right. One of the most um, veteran senior coaches amongst mm-hmm. that staff. Now, a lot of those coaches on that staff, they were, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from them. Um, they all had right. veteran, you know, senior status. They've been there for a long sure. time. But Coach Stu, I think, was the one guy who could kind of bridge the gap between. Players liked him, 100%. I know that. Loved him. Yeah. Loved him. Yeah. Great yeah. motivator. You know, res- a lot of respect. He respected you. And, um, yeah, so he was the one coach, in my opinion, who could truly bridge the gap between the old school guys who were still, you know, being kept from the previous roster um, who may have had a year or two left versus yeah. the newer guys coming in. You know, he, he had that, that knack for being able to communicate and, and bridge the gap there. But yes, if it happens, first things first, you better get on that phone and you better call all your guys. You better call all of those recruits and say, Hey, listen, here's what's going on. You, you better communicate it because listen, if it's up in the air and a guy, yes, you can be left out of cold. We talked about this. If, if you're left out in the cold, obviously a yeah. backfire, but you can decommit, you can find a home somewhere else, or you can follow yeah. the coaching staff for wherever they go. So yeah. uh, yes, you better get on that phone immediately. Call up you guys who make sure you have them secured. And uh, you know, from there you, you work with the guys coming in. Yeah, and that's so, another uh, end of it, too. If Neil Brown is fired and then somehow gets another job and maybe he would wait around, doesn't need to financially, he'd get a lot of money on a buyout, by the way. Um, but then he may want to take these recruits with him because he recruited them. It's not it's not necessarily West Virginia recruiting them. He's recruited them. He may call yeah, and, and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm no longer at WU. Now I'm back at Troy or whatever. Come back. With... Now, granted, you know, he, who knows? But that that exists. They, they may want to stay at WVU. They may want to be at a program at that level of Neil Brown, but then a lower level program or who knows where he would be. But yeah, having a guy that runs the offense that has it, that, that you already have in place that maybe was part of your recruiting process that actually does have his hands on what actually is going on as an assistant, either him still being in place in that similar role, or if he get promoted, that could save the recruiting class because they would still have that familiarity with that guy to run that system they're familiar with and comfortable with regardless of if the head coach is removed. So that, that, yeah. that, that could be, that could be a like way to any, do it. Yeah. Yep. And you have to be able to keep the relationship alive, you know, regardless of if that coach left who recruited you, yeah. whoever's retained, get on the phone, make sure that relationship stays, stays solid. And uh, yeah, you have to communicate. All right. Well, it is that time. And I want to talk about enough there that was evergreen to be able to have this something people can listen to here in the coming weeks before we do another one of these. But we have a game in front of us, and that is Iowa State. So Iowa State is West Virginia's next opponent. These teams are both three and five. They both need a win. I was West Virginia upset them and then had that season kind of flounder. This is a West Virginia team that desperately wants a bowl game, even though this year has not gone as well as maybe they would have expected. It's a road game. It's a tough place to play. Neil Brown and the team has talked about it being a tough place to play in Ames. Iowa State's a team that basically is all defense. They're a good defense. They struggle offensively. They started the year with 3-0, yeah. I believe, and they've lost five in a row here, so it's a weird, funky situation in comparison to West Virginia that's just been a roller coaster ride. What's the key for West Virginia to get this win? What do you think the score is going to be? Do they win this? And really, you know, the difference of winning or, lo- or, or not winning this in terms of the rest of the season? Because you lose this, 
Then you got to win out to get in the bowl uh, game. Exactly. And it feels yeah. like they, it feels like you lose this game. Then all of these conversations we're having now with Pat McAfee said on game day a week ago that he's disappointed right now. And he called them the most disappointing program in the country, which might've been a little much, but <laughs> I asked Neil Brown about it and he didn't love that question from me. So if you lose this game, I feel like it's going to really turn up the heat that all of these conversations, it's going to crash Twitter. Basically, it's just going to be all this over again, but maybe a win could at least take a day off. So how important is the win? And then how do you think this game's going to shake out? Listen, the, the win is important. Um, I think the keys to getting that win, first and foremost, is you're on the road. You cannot fall behind early. All right. You have to be able to come out, score some points. Um, when you look at it, you compare the two teams. West Virginia outscores Iowa State offensively. Uh, now, their defense, is, their, their defense isn't terrible. West Virginia can score points. They need, to, they need to get ahead early, all right, try to get some momentum going. Take care of the football. You have to take care of the football. Um, and I think West Virginia can execute. You know, they've had some up and down uh, performances, but when they click, they click. And you have to be able to just find that rhythm. Um, and that's all up to the offensive coordinator. And from there, listen, you get that win, you come out, and this is college football. Who knows what can happen? But it all starts this weekend. You can't look ahead. And, yeah, so that's where I start with the keys. Um, take care of the football, score some points, play defense. Um, and, and here's another key point. The guys who are filling in, the twos, the threes, who haven't, they haven't had a lot of game action this year, they have to be ready to go. And that starts with the coaching staff. You got to get those guys uh, game ready as best as possible. And and I'm not even going to say hope for the best because that almost sounds like, you know, you're just throwing them out there. But you have to get <laughs> them game ready and keep the production level up at that respective position and have them ready to go. You know, you can't miss a, miss a beat uh, because you have another number two or number three uh, replacement. It just going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's a book uh, that anyone who's writing them, you know, writing them off, just don't write back because Geno Smith has been able to turn that around and, and, and have a great yeah. year in the NFL this year as Seahawks starter. They got to try to finish the season strong. It's not going to be easy. It is a tough place to play. They've had tougher places to play, though, so that excuse can't be there. This Iowa State team is not that good. They got to win. I think they got to comfortably win by at least a touchdown or so to make you feel good. They shouldn't be crawling through this game. It won't be easy, though, because West Virginia is also a struggling team, and you feel like Iowa State, they're bound to beat somebody and snap this losing streak for themselves. They've been good over the years as well. So it won't be easy, but I would expect JT to, have, to be able to play well in this game for the offense to click in this game, even though it is a strong defense against them. And, yeah, I think as long as they take care of the football – it should be enough to get them this win, but they basically have no running game. I mean, in terms of everyone right. being hurt, that's going to be a major problem. So, And listen, it, that's where the creativity comes in as an offense coordinator. Figure it out. I think West Virginia is very talented at the perimeter receiver positions. Yeah. They can get points on the board. It's just finding creative ways to get it done. And what I'll leave you with, and you'll like this probably watching the game, and this was kind of – told to us that's going to likely happen in this game, especially with all the injuries to the running backs. I would expect a lot more from Garrett Green than we've seen. They've talked about maybe getting the rushing yards from another quarterback and Garrett Green doesn't mean JT is not going to start and not going to play. You may have Garrett Green somehow line up with JT still under center. You may have JT like out of the game yes. and Garrett Green under center for more than just one play a game when it's mop-up duty. You may see Garrett Green used maybe in a little bit more of the old school Rasheed Marshall Pat White style where it's about his legs. It's not really about his arm. So you might see a lot more of Garrett. Any of these fans have been wanting Garrett Green for years and years and think he yeah. needs to be used more. Now might be the Garrett Green time to, to get a little bit more from Garrett Green because you still got to get rushing yards and they may look to Garrett Green to find those. So I would I would look to Garrett Green to see if that can be what sparks this team. And for fans tuning in, I would expect more Garrett Green than, than you yeah, see. He, he's a weapon. Listen, you have to use him. Uh, you know, and the one thing that frustrates me is you can't insert a quarterback into the game and expect to run the football, not throw it when that's an easy yeah. key. You know what I mean? Yeah, like uh, they know why he's coming in. Right. Exactly. You have to open yeah. it up a little bit. 
give him some plays, all right? Get him out on the edge, let him throw some. That way the defense, you're not able to key on just in between the tackles or a perimeter run, yeah. all right? Garrett Green's going to keep the football. Makes it too easy. Um, so, yes, you have to be able to get creative with it, uh, whether it's two quarterbacks in the game at once. Give Garrett Green some some true quarterback series where you know you just kind of open it up for him, letting him throw it down the field, and uh, yeah, utilize him. You know he's he's a very talented player, and at this point, West Virginia does not have anything to lose. Go for the gusto, yeah. get the dub, and and ride the wave. Yeah, hundred percent. It's all about getting the win for West Virginia. They desperately need the win, and they basically now are forced into kind of using Garrett Green. But maybe it'll work out because yeah, he's a talented football player, and he is still a quarterback yeah. and not a running back. But they got to find these rushing yards somewhere. And he's a fast guy out there. And, yeah, maybe giving him more than one play a game, making it so obvious to the defenses, having him in there with JT. I would not be surprised to get some funky plays that you haven't expected from West Virginia over the years. This yeah. is time now to unload the kitchen sink. And that this could be the Garrett Green time that if he's been frustrated by not getting enough PT – this could be this could be the time for the kid. So, Bring so him out. I, I, yeah, I would expect more Garrett Green than we've ever seen before, and especially looking at Garrett Green if you don't get Tony Mathis in this game. Rashid, yeah. always great to be talking with you, man. Rashid always, Marshall, Mike, there, always. West Virginia football legend that he is. I'm sure he's frustrated. The fans are frustrated. The team and coaches are frustrated. But all you can do is try to get that next win, and maybe if the season can end in a bowl victory, it can calm some things down because. That buyout still looms. That recruiting class still looms. I'm still skeptical any decision of changing the coaches is going to happen. If I had to predict, I would still say Brown's back. So yeah. that'll be how you make things feel better is ending this season strong. Season strong. You can't change the past. But that'll do it for this edition of All Three Phases. Again, find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. Subscribe, download. Do it here on the YouTube channel as well. And also find all of my coverage and the team's coverage at WV Sports Now. All right, Rashid, have a good night, man. Definitely appreciate the time. Good talking to you, man. Absolutely.